0: Hello and welcome to the Road Trip Sports Podcast. My name is Harrison Crook and today Ollie is actually at an awards night. Fingers crossed he brings home the silverware. Uh, But that means it's all me today and I've got a very special guest coming on today. I've got the head coach of the Sydney University Lions and a good friend of mine, Josh Lawton. Josh is a massive Broncos fan and is going to help with our Civil War series. Continuing on with the AFC West. It's gonna be an exciting episode. We hope you do enjoy it. If you do enjoy the podcast, make sure to subscribe. Make sure to follow us on all of our socials. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Road Trip Sports Pod. Any inquiries you've got, if you'd like to get in, the t- in touch with the podcast, if you'd like to get on the podcast and get on our Civil War series, make sure to reach out Road Trip Sports Podcast at gmail.com, or you can slide into any of our DMs at Road Trip Sports Pod. This episode is sponsored by Major Sports Collectibles Australia. At Major Sports Collectibles, your number one stop for any memorabilia purchases you would like to make, whether it's jerseys, helmets, anything you'd like with uh, any merch, uh, any signatures, they can do it for you. We've also got our hats available and they're running out quickly, so make sure to reach out at Roadtripe Sports Pod or you can message myself or Ollie privately if you would like to get your hands on one of the freshest. Hats you will find out there. They're great hats, uh, and everyone's loving them. We're about to do a post-up on our socials soon of all the people that have been wearing our hats so far. It's going to be great. Make sure you get your hands on it, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Thanks, guys. welcome back to the road trip sports podcast and I'm here today with a very special guest it's actually the head coach of my football team Josh Lawton. Josh Hayder
1: yeah pretty well Harrison good to to finally complete my sort of goals in life and come upon the greatest sports podcast going around so my life's complete I can die a happy man now
0: are uh, you flatter me so uh... Whenever we have a new guest on the podcast, uh, before we get into our AFC West chat, we like to sort of profile them as a sports fan uh, and figure out what teams they like, more importantly what teams they don't like, and talk a little bit about uh, some of the sports experiences uh, that our uh, guests have had. So we'll start off with our top three teams. Josh, who are your top three teams in any sport?
1: So my top three, I've got the Denver Broncos in the NFL as my number one, um, despite the pain that that causes me. Um, number two, mate, close... Mate, you've
0: seen a Super Bowl in your lifetime. Settle down.
1: Let Russ cook, though. Um, <laughs> two, two uh, the Seattle Mariners, another suffering team, but fortunately have a really bright future. And then number three, just pipping out the St. George Dragons are the Seattle Kraken in the NHL.
0: Mm, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I, I know how much of a Mariners fan you are. We always have our chats. Um, both of our bewildered franchises, uh, the Orioles <laughs> and the Mariners, going, maybe one of us will be good one day. Yay! No, we're
1: <laughs> we're both, both in the thick of it. In,
0: both tracking pretty well, in yeah.
1: September. Who
0: would have thought? Who would have thought? Um, now, more than even the teams we like, love to batch the teams we hate. And, Everyone who's listened for an episode or two knows the teams that um, myself and Ollie hate. Ollie hates his Bombers. He hates the Bears. I cannot stand the GWS Giants, New York Jets, Buffalo Bills. Get them all in the bin. Who are your teams that you want to burn in a fire?
1: This is a really tough question for me because I don't actively hate most teams. I'm not that sort of fan. And also my teams aren't actually good enough to have a real rivalry. We just get flogged week in, week out, no matter who we're playing. Um, but if I had to pick three, it'd probably be the uh, Las Vegas Raiders and the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC West. Um, Yep. for different reasons, which we'll get into in a little bit, and then the Anaheim Angels. Um, Year in, year out, their fans on Twitter are just constantly having a go, saying they're going to be the best team ever, Uh, and then they invariably collapse in August, September. They've wasted the careers of two of the best players in MLB history.
0: Um, How? How? How can you be that bad? With with those players, it's it's insane. It, I mean, like mind boggling. S-
1: on some level, I'm kind of glad that they're not that great because it at least saves me from having to deal with like the three best players in their sports in three different sports that I follow, or in my team's division in three separate sports that I follow. Between McDavid in the uh, NHL, Pat Mahomes in the NFL, and um, Trout Otani in the MLB, at least the Angels suck so badly I don't have to worry about it.
0: Yeah, you're right. That would that would suck majorly. Uh, we'll move on now to some of the different cities we have visited. This podcast is all about talking about the fan experience, talking about what it's like to go to different sports cities. And we've covered a lot in our time as a podcast. Uh, but we'd like to hear from you. What are some of the cities that you've visited, that you've watched sport in and thoroughly enjoyed?
1: So I've been to I'm I'm pretty lucky that I've been to a, a few with my family. Um, so San Francisco, Seattle, Denver, Chicago, and Green Bay over in the states. Um, and then we'll say half a city, Wollongong, uh, to watch the Dragons play. <laughs>
0: uh Wollongong to watch the Mighty Stangs play as well. Those um, them too. Get around it this Saturday. <laughs> absolutely. Uh place to be on a five. 5 p.m. in Wollongong. Um, anyone wants yep. to head down? Uh, next one. Favorite sports game you've ever attended?
1: So I couldn't split this between two. Um, number one was the Seattle Kraken beating the New York Islanders. It was at um, New Year's Day this year at uh, Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle. Uh, Kraken ended up winning that game four to one, but it it should have been a lot, a lot more. They um made uh Elias Samsonov look remarkable. As, uh, it was. I can't remember who their goalie was that was uh, Toronto's but um, they made a good goalie look pretty mortal um, complete top to bottom performance and goals from very unexpected candidates um, Adam Larson and Brandon Tanev most notably as well as a moment of Matt Barzell genius um, then the other one I couldn't split it with was um, back in 2018 when St. George were actually good for half the season um, there was a game between them and the Melbourne Storm. It was a Cogra Dragons won, I want to say it was something like twenty-six to twelve. Gareth would have kicked a ton of uh, field goals, but most or um, penalty goals, I should say. Yeah. But um, it was most notable for the game that uh, Jeremy Lattimore squirrel gripped Cam Smith, and the Dragons <laughs> scored the next tackle. So one of the one of the favorite favorite images I've ever seen in sports is Cam. Smith just riding around on the floor as Ken McInnes goes in for a try. It was unbelievable.
0: <laughs> That's unreal. <laughs> unreal. Unreal. Um, all right, our next one, as it is a sports travel podcast, um, we like to we, we've been planning our sports trips. Ollie's got a big one coming up, um, going through the States. I think he's got uh Titans home game booked in and a Cowboys home game. Um if you could travel to do any sports city to watch a game, where would it be and what would it be?
1: Again, I couldn't split it, um, but I've got either to go to state college, state college in Pennsylvania for a Penn State whiteout game. I don't care oh, who it's against, but dude, I don't, same. I don't care if I have to like, oh, I dude, I'd sit outside the stadium, just watch it on TV or something. But just to be there for that game would be just insane. Yeah, um, and then the other a, one would, be-
0: as a as a Penn State fan, that is one of the dreams. It's up there with watching the Dolphins in the playoff, like a playoff Dolphins game for me. Like that's. Yeah, it, it it looks unreal. Even the the stripe game uh they had earlier this year. Um it's pretty much the they they're just trying to get more wide outs to get more more finance uh, financials but um yeah, one of those big Penn State games 111,000 people.
1: Yep. Absolutely. It's like, and it's like you can have a quiet 111,000 or you can have that and it's just raucous every play. Um the sort of famous one where Michigan had to take a timeout on the first play of the game before yeah, yeah before the first snap yeah um yeah it was it was either that or um a bit on a slightly smaller scale is Martin Stadium in Pullman Washington home of uh, my beloved Washington State Cougars uh,
0: oh pack nice
1: two, pack, pack 2 legends <laughs> but
0: yeah <laughs> i understand you, it's what are your thoughts on the on the Pac 12 dissolving the way it has um i don't think we've fully I had a chat about it actually I, I I
1: can't blame the other 10 schools for leaving Um, if like it's a money driven sport now college football and um, it was always sort of trending this way and the Pac-12 has not really been the avenue for competitive games I think we've had two teams in the college football playoffs um, Oregon who got caught with their pants down against Ohio State should have won that game Um, and then Washington getting flogged by Bama that's it. Mm. Um, and so, going through other conferences, you've got more settled TV rights deals. You've got easier access to the college football playoff at the at-large spots when they come around. Mm. But equally, it it's completely screwed Washington State. It's completely screwed Oregon State because we basically took a leap of faith um, several years ago to go into the Pac-12 and spent a bunch of money on our athletics facilities that now we basically are going to lose the money to finance. Um, mm. The the one silver lining, I don't know if you've uh, <laughs> seen, but there's a, a possibility since the NCAA has a 2-year grace period to fill contract uh, to fill conferences rather and the Rose Bowl contract still is 2 years to run the CFP expands to one bid from every conference next year so Washington state and Oregon state can stay put for 2 years and guarantee themselves at least a Rose Bowl spot love that love that i'm 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 all in i just want that just like <laughs> fuck you
0: <laughs> uh, <sorry. laughs> um so and our last question and it's been a bit of a recent one we haven't um haven't I asked this until sort of recently it sort of came about with a chat i had with Duffy a little while back about whether it would be better to go to the conference title game if you're at home and be around your home fans watching that game or going to the more corporate Super Bowl, but it does have the prestige of going to the Super Bowl. Duffy was on the side of uh, staying at the... Because he's an Eagles fan, that Eagles culture, that Philly culture. He wanted to be put in jail under the stadium and all that. Um, But he and Aaron sort of was like, come on, mate, go to the Super Bowl. What are you talking about? Uh, What are your thoughts?
1: So, as sort of a bit of a side waffle. This is why... Seven game series are the best, so that you don't have to make this decision, you get the best of both worlds. So, like, I could see the Kraken play a um, Stanley Cup in Seattle, the Mariners. There is a sentence the Mariners play a World Series in Seattle. <laughs> um, or what um, What time
0: machine are you using for that one?
1: Yeah, this is um, this is an alternate universe. I wake up soon after that, those games happen. Um,
0: I, then I you turn your PlayStation off.
1: Well, pretty much, dude, I'm so bad at Madden. It doesn't even matter. <laughs> Madden and MLB the show. But um, loath to a- agree with Duffy on something, but I'm with him on this. I I would be t- too nervous to be like, I'd be shaking at a Super Bowl. I'd be so nervous about it. And then to just have some random Bears fan two doors down, basically like piss drunk, like screaming his head off. I'm like, N- what's the point? I'd much rather go to Mile High, the Rocky Mountain Thunder, it's an unbelievable place to watch football. And to watch that for a properly meaningful game would be pretty incredible.
0: Yeah, that it, it would be so good. Um, it is hard to split. I think one could make the argument that if you go to watch your team in the Super Bowl, you're guaranteeing that your team made the Super Bowl, so <laughs> like and use that sort of cheat way in. But I came down on it that As a Dolphins fan, I don't think our stadium would have that vibe. The same vibe as some other fan bases. So I just want to go to the Super Bowl where I'm going to see what Taylor Swift at the halftime show. I'm going to see um, whatever all around, but I'm, I'm definitely going to see something special where if I saw the Dolphins with a home, Conference title game. I don't think that vibe would be there. I don't... The fan base, It'd be loud, but it wouldn't be that raucous, like, energy you want to feel.
1: Yeah, like... And it depends on the stadium and the fan base as well. It's like, Duffy can say that because, like... um, uh, Is it still um, Lincoln Financial, where they play?
0: Lincoln Financial, um, the link.
1: Uh, yeah, I got it in uh, CenturyLink Field, the clink, mixed up in my head. Yeah. Um, but...
0: You probably got it mixed up because the Eagles fans get taken to the clink after the way they carry on. Ah, yes,
1: good (laughs) chat. (laughs) Philly Philly joke. I see what you've done there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Like, I mean, Denver is Denver, or like Lambeau Field would be unbelievable because it's just this sort of cauldron. Just everything reverberates. Denver's stadium's built to have steel flooring, so you kick it, and it just echoes. And it That's- causes a really, really cool effect. Whereas, say, like Levi's or SoFi, they're kind of more big game vibes for like for Super Bowl CFPs um, as opposed to championship games.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, we better get into it now. It's time to do our Civil War series, AFC West. it now into our best player in the afc west who is the out now best player in the afc west that's not named patrick Mahomes?
1: yeah uh well i mean that aside it's travis kelsey um it's It's really really annoying annoying, isn't it he's got the most punchable face in the nfl but um it it was it was probably closer than it should have been between him and max crosby um yeah i I really rate Max Crosby as a player. I think he's the best edge rusher in the NFL, but...
0: um, whoa, Best in the NFL?
1: Best in the NFL. I think he's better than Bosa, TJ Watt, Micah Parsons.
0: Did you see TJ Watt in a losing performance today get three sacks and two forced fumbles?
1: I agree, but I also think that TJ Watt has his liabilities in the run game. Max Crosby is unbelievable in all of them, playing with considerably less talent on this current Raiders D-line. Okay. So, uh, And maybe it's just bias because I've seen like a Billy Turner at right tackle try and block the dude. But it, yeah, it probably is. There's probably a little bit of bias that way, but I'm close between those two. But Kelsey is quite arguably the best tight end of all time. Um, certainly the best receiving tight end of all time. He's re- revolutionized the position, so I'll give him the nod.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, best team. Who Who's the best team in the IFC West this year?
1: Kansas City Chiefs. Next question.
0: Yeah, fair. Who's the best offense?
1: Kansas City Chiefs. Next question.
0: Fair. This <laughs> one is a bit of more of an argument, I feel. Best defense in the AFC <sighs> West. There is a lot of good defensive talent in this in this division.
1: There there is, and that's kind of the thing is that when I I originally thought, oh, this is just cut and dry, it's the Broncos. They were one of the best defenses in the league last year. Like watching the Chiefs on Thursday Night Football restrict what was a pretty good offense last year without, like w- arguably probably the second most disruptive interior player in the NFL, um,
0: mm. and was weird. Just, see, we we'd see him at the game as well. Like, it really if, was. If you're holding out, don't go. It was
1: bizarre. Like it, it. I don't really know. Like I don't think. To be honest, I don't think Chris Jones thought he'd get this far. I think he would think, like, he would That
0: that would be media attention on that. it, he would get on the TV, and that would stoke the, geez, we need to give him an extension talk. I mean,
1: dude, I can barely, like, uncover what, like, a head coach in Gridiron, in New South Wales, is thinking, let alone a general manager in the NFL. I, <laughs> no, not a clue. Maybe they will. I'll, I'll get my tinfoil hat on and say yes. But, yeah. Um, I, I think that would be very very sort of underhanded, which is why I think they probably did it.
0: Yeah, fair, fair. Um, and so, so who was the best defense? Sorry, I don't think we we got uh, quite there.
1: Yeah, I was waffling. Um, I still think <laughs> I probably lean towards the Broncos because I think they have the overall best defensive player in Satan. um, Max Crosby, or him. It's it's sort of hard to tell between the two. Um. And the Raiders just don't have any supporting talent on that defense. They suck. Yeah. Um, I think I think the Chargers will be a lot better this year. Um, They'd I want to be so,
0: better than they played today.
1: Yeah, I mean they conceded thirty six. So what am I talking about? But as we were saying
0: to, uh, before, to a lefty,
1: as we were <laughs> saying before we recorded week one, McDaniel is different. But um, and I, I also think the Chiefs—they always turn it on, and at the end of the year, it's Arrowhead. It's negative twenty. Um, Fahrenheit, dudes are running around doing every which way. You've got a D tackle lining up at free safety and like one Thornhill riding, lining up at right end. And yeah. then they just they end up in cover two. And you're like, how the hell did that happen? So the Chiefs will, at the end of the year, the Chiefs will be the best defense in the division. But over the course of the year, I think it's going to be the Broncos. Yeah,
0: fair. Uh, best special teams?
1: Chiefs. I'm going to be honest with you, Harrison. I don't pay enough attention to special teams to really notice. It's by default not the Broncos, because we've been crap for years. Raiders are decent, but not as good as they were before um, when they had Rich Biasachia. Um The Chargers are the Chargers, so yeah, Chiefs. Harrison Butker's is a very good kicker. They have a f- consistently excellent return game, and they don't need to punt.
0: So. Okay. Who is the fan? Now, we've had our fantasy drafts. Um, we, we started doing this series when people were still yet to draft, and trying to find out who they should take for each division. But who's the fantasy player that if you can work your way into a trade, try and pick up?
1: I think it's Travis Kelsey. Um, Again, just gives you unbelievable value at tight end relative to the rest of that position. You basically sneak yourself a WR1. You take him in the first round, then you can take two WR2s, sneak yourself a decent running back somewhere, and you're pretty much sorted. Hmm.
0: Yeah, fair. Who had the best draft uh, last year? Or this, in 2023? I, to
1: be honest, I didn't pay attention all that much to the draft um, since the Broncos traded our first-round pick for a coach because that's a thing healthy franchises do. But... um
0: worked so well uh for the no, actually sorry, it did work well for the Bucks Yeah, it did work well get... for
1: the Bucks. I won a Super Bowl.
0: <laughs> I was gonna make a joke, but then I was like, No, it actually worked well. I couldn't remember which way the trade went because I was like he went he started Raiders, went to Bucks, back to Raiders. There was a ten year like... gap where he drew doodles on a um Monday night football screen, but
1: what basically talked over the top of Mike Tarico for three hours. But um <laughs> yeah where were we going with this best draft charges um i think quentin johnson is a legitimate difference maker for that team um they get someone who can do a lot of different things that they otherwise don't have guys to do like mike williams is your downfield threat keenan allen can work out of the slot and just finesse everyone with routes quentin johnson is a guy you can give the ball to on jet sweeps and let basically just let him run um Plus, he adds a bit of physicality to the outside. He's a big dude. So, not the most refined yet, but he's going to be good. You add in uh, Tully to Pilato, who we'll get on to, and Dion Henley. Um, Pac 12 defenders, to Pilato led the Pac 12 and sacks. Dion Henley was probably the most underrated linebacker in college football last year. Like, that's yeah. a really strong top three. And I don't think anyone else really did anything to surpass that.
0: Yeah, fair. Um, best coach in the division?
1: Andy Reid. Um, his record speaks for itself the fact that that man took Alex Smith to a division title is kind of remarkable in and of itself but how he's been able to develop Mahomes how they consistently just have someone show up out of the blue from some college you've never heard of and they're all of a sudden like a guy who has 800 all-purpose yards and six touchdowns.
0: It's it's almost the way the Patriots of old used to be when they had Brady it's like you've got that star quarterback who can make talent, and you've got the coaches, the coaching staff around to maximize that talent and get find a lot more diamonds in the rough. Yeah. And like, between that and then, I mean, I think Andy Reid's win
1: percentage off the buys, I, I want to say something like 13-1 and one in his career, which is unbelievable. Like, every, every year it seems like the Broncos play the Chiefs off the buy, and then they have some extremely zany play on like a fourth and sixth that wins them the game. That you're like, yeah. how, how do you act, not only draw that up, how do you then commit yourself to practicing it and then calling it in a game? Like, yeah. Excuse me.
0: Uh, um, who is the worst fan base in the AFC West?
1: Oh, man. This is... Uh, going to rile some people up here. I, I think it's a tie between the Raiders and the Chiefs for different reasons. I think... The Raiders are just unpleasant. Like, you don't want to go to a Raiders game. You don't know what's going to happen to you. And I mean, that should never be the feeling at sport. Yeah. Like, Nick Nick Oliver's side, they're a deeply unpleasant group.
0: Um, (laughs) And just shout shout out to all the Raider fans of the podcast.
1: (laughs) Yep. I mean, well, I mean, shout out to you. It's probably reconfirming what you already deep down know about yourself, but here's what it is. And I mean, yeah, just generally diluted. And I think the Chiefs, like, I I will give, I will caveat it with this: proper Chiefs fans, fair enough. If you've been a Chiefs fan from like the days where they were starting Tyler Figpen at quarterback, you have all the right to chat shit right now because they were trash for years. But yeah, for all the people who are like lifelong Chiefs fans nowadays, um, just go away. <laughs> like, yeah, um, I mean, between that and then. uh the whole Chiefsaholic saga. It was kind of humorous.
0: That was fun. Um, So you wouldn't say the worst fan base is the one that doesn't exist? or?
1: Yeah, I was talking about actual fan bases.
0: Fair. Uh, Best fan base, by default then, I guess.
1: Is the Denver Broncos. And I know I'm going to come across as biased, but... Considering how bad we've been, we still have something like 380 consecutive sellouts, which is a active record in sports.
0: Um, as someone who is unbiased, I really don't have a horse in the race in the AFC West. I would tend to agree with that. I feel like Broncos are the wholesome, passionate fan. Yeah, I mean, we we do kind of as a fan
1: base, we border on delusion most years because we are trying out of just sheer like. like we're at the bargaining stage of grief right now (laughs) we're basically just trying to get around the. i mean to be fair honestly every year is just this stages of grief with the denver broncos but yeah get into preseason there's the bargaining stage we're like no we're actually going to be good and this is why and then we reach preseason week one our right, right tackle we pay 113 million for um gets his lunch eaten and then by the end of the year we're five and 13 we're looking at a middling draft pick where we're not quite bad enough to get Caleb Williams, not we're not quite good enough to actually do anything with our lives. Um and we sort of settle into that cycle. But I mean, Broncos fans still show up, still make a lot of noise. Um, whether that noise is trying to disrupt the opposition or count out the play clock because we had four delay games penalties in the first half is up for debate. But
0: the Nathaniel Hackett error. <laughs> One I've, to quickly forget.
1: I've well I don't think we should ever forget it because that's what we did when we sold out so hard for Aaron Rodgers and it just didn't work and yeah. like we shouldn't forget that because it's a good cautionary tale but in terms of I mean week one when there was a clock situation that most Madden players would accurately play <laughs> out like you, you or I Harrison could probably do a better job than uh, the human thumb did and then <sighs> just terrible organization all around yeah um, which I could forgive if the bloke didn't spend all preseason waffling about how great we were going to be, calling the red zone the gold zone, and referring to touchdowns as issues
0: It's been very interesting watching Hard Knocks uh, with him at the helm of the offense of the Jets. I it make uh, Robert Sala like, is making strides to try and make me like the Jets, but then Nathaniel Hackett walks on screen and I actively hate them again. It's
1: great, I've never- I've never wanted to, like, during a game, like, whack my own kneecap with a hammer or something, but that is what the Broncos nearly made me do last year under Nate Hackett. I just want to feel something again. Yeah, pretty much. That was it. It's like, I'm not actually, I, I'm not angry. I'm just numb at this point, I'm filled with hollow emptiness.
0: Uh, next up we've got best rookie And you've also got him We're going to tie that in You've also got him as surprise pro bowler Who's going to be the best rookie And the surprise pro bowler Of the AFC West
1: Tuli Tui Pilato from the Chargers um, Maybe a bit hard for him to get on the field Behind Mack and Bosa But I think If he gets on in specialist pass wrestling situations Which it seems like will be his usage He's phenomenally talented um, yeah. in terms of athleticism um, his handwork is generally very good, he's got speed he's got power, he's got ankle bent, he's got everything you want in a modern pass rusher Um, and if you say you slide Bosa inside to three technique, let him wreak havoc on guards it's not a pleasant experience on third down, and Tua Pilato is the guy who you're probably not going to be sliding to
0: yeah, I hate that, I hate that a lot
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: um, best divisional game going to be the matchup that sort of decides where this division's heading
1: well i think every other time you've had this podcast harrison they've just said like the team that they support my team sucks so i actually had to do a bit of digging here i said week 17 charges at chiefs if there's one team that's going to make noise in this division outside of the chiefs it's going to be the charges it's at arrowhead so it probably won't go terribly well for uh the bolts but it could end up maybe not deciding the division, but it could be like a really consequential one in the overall scheme of things.
0: Was it last year or the year before that Chargers went into Arrowhead and got him?
1: Oh, there's a question. I would have said it,
0: it was a recent three, three one. Ago. I don't so think I remember... it's as recent
1: as you think. Yeah. Maybe it was. I, I don't remember, to be honest. I mean, it's a Chargers Chiefs game. I couldn't care whether they live or die. Yeah. But, fair. I'd rather avoid like a humanitarian crisis, like the stadium collapsing. But outside of that, I truly don't care what happens in that game.
0: Yeah, no, that hundred percent, hundred percent fair. Uh, what's the best rivalry in the AFC West?
1: I mean, the thing as well is that the,
0: ch- the Chargers versus whatever opposition fan has stolen their stadium.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not, not much of a fight. It's good. it's like what should have happened, like in three hundred. Basically, like a smaller force just getting punted, but um, <laughs> I think, I think, um, I, again, the the issue with the AFC West is that it's been a really dynastic division for so long, in that it was now it's been the Chiefs the past eight years. Then it was the Broncos for a long Forever. time. Previously, yeah. previously it was the Chargers, then it was the Raiders, then it was the, was the Broncos for about twenty, or well, Broncos for five years, Raiders for five, Broncos for five, which hasn't let many rivalries develop i probably still lean towards Broncos Raiders just by default because there aren't many good ones. Um, But it's, like, on the field we have our games and both fan bases hate each other, but off the field as well, I mean, the whole Mike Shanahan saga where Al Davis basically said scram, don't go back to the Broncos. Mike Shanahan said, yep, no worries, won't do that, and then promptly goes back to the Broncos and wins two Super Bowls. Um, I don't think they've still forgiven us for that, but no, I think I mean, in terms of just sheer hatred for one another, it's that um, that game. And it's normally a pretty good game. There aren't many blowouts in it. Um, yeah, unfortunately Unfortunately, can't be said for many of the other rivalries, which tend to be a bit one-sided.
0: Yeah, that's super fair. Um, well, the last thing we're going to do to preview uh, the 2023 AFC West is your division prediction. Where do you have this division ending up?
1: So topping the division, I have the Chiefs coming in second. I have the Chargers. I don't think many people will dispute that. I think those are the two, like clear cut favorites. It's really just uh, like Broncos and Raiders battling out basically in the spoon bowl, uh, AFC West edition. I think the Broncos are a more complete team. I think our defense is better. I think our offense, in theory, has more firepower. Um, probably better depth than the Raiders, who have, um, obviously the star power between Adams and um. Jacobs, but the Broncos, I think, have a more complete lineup, um, a more established coach. Um, As a result, yeah, I'll I'll give Denver three, Raiders four, but I don't think either team's going to be any good.
0: All right, we're going to move on now to our historical debate. Now, we have actually invited a Chargers fan on to debate you uh, regarding who's more historically relevant, the Chargers or the Broncos. now, we've invited a Chargers fan on. Unfortunately, there's only one, and there was a bit of scheduling issues with that specific person, so uh, he won't be able to attend, but uh, I thought we'd have a uh, a general <laughs> historical <laughs> chat instead about the division, about who's best. Now, discussing um, before the pod, and we there's three Super Bowls for each of the top three teams in that division. There's three Super Bowls for the Chiefs, they've got... Uh, The two recent ones and one way back in Super Bowl 4. You've got the Broncos winning uh, one recent one and two way, or kind of way back, a little while ago. Uh, And then you've got the Raiders who were all three were way back. How do we separate this division? Who's the most historically relevant team in the West?
1: I... I don't think there's a clear-cut answer right now. In 10 years' time, it will be the Chiefs, because there's no way that they're not winning fewer Super Bowls in the next 10 years than either the Broncos or the Raiders. If we're lucky, we'll combine for as many Super Bowls as the Chiefs are going to win, because Pat Mahomes is still like 26. Like, he could play for another 15 years, and whether his style of play diminishes or not, he seems to have the football intelligence and the accuracy to carry on even as more of a Brady-level just dissect a team more than, like, just throw it fifty-five yards flat-footed over everyone's head. Um. So I think, yeah, ten years time when we come back to this, um, having won twelve Waratah bowls in a row, um, <laughs> still without importing players, um, we it, like it'll be a completely separate conversation, but. I think right now, if you were saying who's the most historically relevant, I think the Broncos, Chargers, and Raiders, uh, Broncos Chargers, Broncos Chiefs and Raiders all have a very legitimate claim. The Chargers, or the Chargers, why the hell do I keep saying Chargers? The um, Raiders are probably the most culturally significant in that I think more people would know of the um, Raiders from a historical standpoint, um... Yeah, if you ask the average fan, their fan base is probably more global, um, and they have three Super Bowl Super Bowls to back it up. They have an identity as sort of that renegade team that just drafts fast dudes for fun, whether they're good or not is a separate concern. The yeah. Chiefs, again, have three Super Bowls. They sort of have had the ascendancy of the division for the past 10 years now, um, first with Alex Smith, now with Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Um, and even like, they did have a very lean patch, but they're also, I mean, you look at some of the people who have played for the uh, Chiefs, Joe Montana, Marcus Allen, they've never been irrelevant, even if they've been bad. Yeah, 100%. Um, and, then, and then you look at the Broncos, who had some very lean years to start off their franchise, but under Pat Bowlin had more um, Super Bowl appearances than losing seasons had, I want to say, the third highest winning percentage in the NFL over that duration. Um, Won two Super Bowls. Sorry, Greg. Um, Well, won won three Super Bowls, um, rather, and were kind of the modicum of excellence outside of the Josh McDaniels era. They were consistently good throughout that entire time. Um, I would contend that John Elway is also the best player to have played in the AFC West. I don't count... um, like you sort of I don't say for example You can't count Joe like, Montana, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't really count Montana. I think Mahomes will get there at some point, but I think right now it's probably Elway with Marcus Allen as a close second. Yeah. Um Peyton Manning as well doesn't really count as far as I'm concerned, but like I I probably would give a slight edge to the Broncos just for on field success outside of Super Bowl wins. But yeah, in ten years the, the Chiefs will probably have six, seven Super Bowls. And yeah. That's really <laughs> depressing to think about.
0: It it really is. It really is. I um I think the most salient point for me that sort of decides the historical relevance is the Raiders being such a cultural brand. I mean, their brand is up there with the Yankees, with the Dodgers, as the football, the the football brand. You 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 see Raiders gear in every single color, like you see green Raiders hats, you see red Raiders hats because the logo is so iconic and that brand is so iconic and so synonymous ironically with Los Angeles which is a it's a weird thing it it's so it still boggles my mind that they are not LA's team because they they feel LA they feel like the heartbeat of LA but
1: simultaneously they've been they've modeled themselves as sort of like the bad boys of the NFL so successfully and they've kind of navigated themselves into that sort of bad boy city like at any point like they 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 were in la at sort of the height of that sort of like rebel movement there then they went to the bay area and oakland in particular and now they're in las vegas sin city like you can uh, they've really fashioned a persona about themselves whether intentionally or otherwise and it it's really captivating like and it's i mean it's led to a global phenomenon which is it's why probably you... one
0: of the reasons why their brand is so successful. It it feels like a bad boy sort of brand. You see guys lots of lots of different people wearing that gear and sort of bringing that tough guy persona. You don't see a guy wearing a Raiders hat who doesn't have tats.
1: Yeah, and I mean, equally like if you're trying to be like sort of like portraying yourself as the tough guy, you're not gonna wear like a Tennessee Titans hat or something.
0: Or even, to bring it back to the division, you're not going to wear a Chargers or a Broncos hat and go, I'm a real tough guy.
1: Yeah, no, well, I mean, you've got to be mentally tough to be a fan of either team. So, like, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> the era of, in the era of mental health awareness, perhaps it is actually the sign of toughness to wear a Broncos or a Chargers hat. But, um, All
0: right, we're going to get on to our mailbag now. Are you happy to stick on for our mailbag? Absolutely. Awesome. We've got a few big questions, especially week one of the NFL. There's a lot of chatter. So there's two easy questions first up. We're going to hit the first one now. Who impressed you the most in the NFL in week one?
1: Um, I would... I mean, I didn't catch many of the games unfortunately. Um, High school teaching will do that to you. But... And primary school I assume as well, Harrison. Unless you can just tell the kids, hey... Practice your handwriting for 45 minutes. I'm definitely not going to watch the NFL.
0: My hour relief time was well spent on schoolwork and I definitely got a lot of schoolwork done in my hour of relief.
1: Yep, absolutely. Um, Nessa, if you're hearing, give us a pay raise. Um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I'm sure Christian Adams and Jacob Giles as well, they both spent their Mondays doing entirely schoolwork with nothing else. Absolutely, absolutely. But no, I I think it's probably the Niners. Um, I'm sure. Yeah. But I don't think the Steelers are that bad a team, to be honest. And they just ran riot. Their defense was sublime. Their offense looked every bit of the hype. Um, It's, yeah, they, they just look like I didn't think they could find another gear after 2021, where Debo Samuel basically became like the greatest athlete on earth for eight weeks. Then they became even better last year offensively, and now they're betterer. Like, how does that happen? It's insane. It's like really. They've, it's... Got, they've got comfortably the best offensive lineman in football, and Trent Williams. They've got. I don't. He's not quite as good as he was a few years ago, but George Kittle's still a very, very good tight end. They've got two extremely dynamic wide receivers who force you to guard every inch of the of the pitch. And then if that's not enough, they've got Christian
0: McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell as their two running backs. You could put Christian many... McCaffrey. I would. I would argue Christian McCaffrey has cemented himself as the best running back in football right now. The fact that the what he can do in the run and the pass game, being the most versatile back, I think makes him the most valuable.
1: Yeah, him and um, like it, it's why him being drafted. I mean, He was picked at five or something. Him and Bijan Robinson going it's um in the top ten. You understand why they're picked there because you see the impact they make in every facet. It's unbelievable. Like The stuff McCaffrey does should not be possible. That should take two people to do. But instead, yeah. you're able to get someone who is an above-average slot receiver and a well-above-average running back. That's unbelievable. 100%. 100%. I mean, you, um, you, put, you put him on the jacks, and he's going to have 2,000 scrimmage yards. You put him on a Niners team that's like basically a five-headed monster.
0: Yeah. Uh, uh, now I am a Homer. I am not afraid to admit it. I'm currently wearing a Dolphins shirt. I I've got a tradition where I wear Dolphins uh my Dolphins polos to work on a Monday, um or whenever it's game day if they're playing Thursday night football I wear it on a Friday. I am a Dolphins fan. You're fine. So it's no surprise that I think one of the most impressive teams this week was the Miami Dolphins. The way they absolutely balled out. Their offense was stoppable. The only thing that stopped them was themselves not handing the ball off correctly. They were moving down the field. They were marching. Anytime they needed points, they got points. With nine seconds left on the clock, they still managed to get a field goal. Yes, it was because JC Jackson decided to make an absolutely boneheaded play to push someone directly in the back to try and go for a pick. But I digress. They held their composure and finished out that game with a key touchdown and getting the defensive stop. That's something the Dolphins teams of the past wouldn't have done. That's something the tour wouldn't have done. I know it's week one and I know I'm jumping on early, but this Dolphins team is different. I don't know if they're special, but I know they're different. And I'm yeah, really
1: impressed. I, I think... I agree with that. I mean, yeah, Dolphins teams, even, even the Dolphins team last year is probably not winning that game. They're probably blinking at some point. Nah. The the only thing with the Dolphins that kind of holds me back from that week one performance, if we're saying who's the most impressive team, was they scored 36 and they won by two. Like, that's still a bit of a question mark. You've, like, understand if you've got the offense, you can just be like, mm, we don't really care, we can outscore you. But you still want, if you want to be a like that sort of top level team. We all knew the Dolphins offense was going to be good. They've got Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle for crying out loud. But their defense was the question mark heading into the season for me at least. And it's not been answered really.
0: What I do like is that they closed. When they yeah, needed they... the when they needed the stop, they got the stop and they got it huge. They, but there were a couple it was one of those games. It was like um, do you remember back the Rams-Chiefs Monday night football game where it's was 54-51 and people were like, what, did the defense not show up? And that was actually a great defensive performance from both teams. It was just one of those games. And I think that the Dolphins' chargers game, while well, not at that level, it was one of those games. There were You could point to a few key moments where the Dolphins got a few key stops that led them to be able to uh, to get that two-point victory. There was the who uh sack. Uh, Jason Jackson had caught an interception it was, uh, the Chargers had the ball but they were close to their own goal line it was third down Keita who made a brilliant play untouched sack there was the stop at the end uh, from the Dolphins there was just a few key plays and sometimes that's all you need from a defence you look at the Super Bowl the Super Bowl was what was the final score? 38-35? you could argue oh neither God, of those yeah. teams you could argue neither of those teams played defence but when the moments counted when the right moments were there to be made the Chiefs' defense made the place to win that game, and maybe that's all we need from the Dolphins. And maybe once they get Jalen Ramsey back, they might be that defense to be feared. Maybe they just need a bit of time to gel together. But I'm yeah. I'm banging the banging the drum.
1: Yeah, I mean that's and that's entirely fair. There's a whole like it's better to play situational defense than whole game defense. There, there's some validity to that. Um I would just rather win games thirty four uh, thirty-six to fourteen than thirty-six to thirty-four. So that's my perspective yeah. on my
0: I think it's just good to get one in the column. Um I will shout oh, out as well. I mean
1: I mean my team lost, so like who am I saying like wow you <laughs> you guys suck, you only won by two points, <laughs> scoring more points than we have in three years.
0: <laughs> I I will also like to shout out um because he's not on the pod to do it himself. Uh, Go, pack, go. The Packers had an unbelievable game. Considering that everyone thought, oh, the Bears have finally owned the Packers now after Rodgers owned them for so long. Maybe it's Jordan Love's time to own the Packers. Maybe um, Aaron Rodgers handed the keys over when he he left town. Um, But that was an interesting one indeed. Next question comes from Rob from Warners Bay who asks which team has the most to be worried about after week one?
1: I think it is the Bears to be honest. Like we were we were hearing like all this stuff about oh yeah Justin Fields is going to be dark horse even maybe not even dark horse he's like MVP candidate level we're expecting 2019 Lamar Jackson out of him and instead we got 2022 Justin Fields we got a guy who's talented and you see it there but he also has an annoying habit of throwing the ball directly to defenders like he just That's annoying. he's It's not as if he's not seeing the field because they're the right reads. It's it's just one or two seconds late on all of them. And that's all you... Like when you're playing at Ohio State and you've got four five-star receivers, that doesn't matter because your guys are going to get the ball and you've got Ryan Day as your coach and dudes are going to be running wide open. That doesn't happen at the NFL level. And the jury's still out about whether that sort of timing will progress. It happened with Josh Allen and the annoying thing is that now every NFL fan's is going to say, wow, well, it happened to Josh Allen. It can happen to anyone. When in reality, what happened with Josh Allen doesn't happen at all. Mm. Um, and I mean, you, even just the rest of it, did, what, DJ Moore had, what, two catches for 20-odd yards. I know he was up against Jair Alexander, but still, if he's a WR1, that you, which is what you gave up for him, should be kind of matchup-proof.
0: Yeah. I think there was there's one team that had worse. There's one team that just completely gave up. They had no hope. They were being booed off the field at halftime against a division rival just like the Bears did. They there were backups in the game for the Cowboys. And the Giants still couldn't muster a point. That was pathetic. The effort was low. There was no one was Crying on that Giants team. It looked like genuinely they were jogging around when the Cowboys were just marching the ball through them. The the Cowboys deep had an incredible performance. Yes, my fantasy team thanks you. 35 points. However, come back to us. Come on. Like, give us something to sink our teeth into. It's week one. You've got to get a bit more energy than that. It's not like it's week 18 and you've got your, your trip to um Carbo coming up. Like, You've gotta go it's week one come out with a bit of fire a bit of heart stadium against one of your most hated division rivals I thought that was disgusting that performance was disgusting and I would be filthy if I was a Giants fan well it's it's glad
1: it, I'm glad for the Giants that they play in a, a city with famously forgiving fans and media um
0: <laughs> yeah it, it was
1: it was a it was <laughs> huge, right? Just absolutely putrid oh. football to watch. Like, it, how you lose forty nothing with a team not throwing a passing touchdown is beyond me. It just shows that you you just weren't ready. I don't in prime it, time. So, it's so bizarre as well because the Giants last year were maybe maybe they didn't win these games, but they at least gave it a go. Like, they just. Like they they'll bite down on the mouth guard a bit and maybe take a tough carry. They'll not they'll get popped, but they'll get four yards out of it. Whereas it just seemed like they just packed it in at the first sign of any level of resistance.
0: And it's oh, it's so
1: so uncharacteristic of a Brian Dayball team. Like it yeah. dare I say it, it was reminiscent of the Joe Judge Giants, which is about the worst hundred percent worst insult I can level it at a football team shy of calling them the Nate Hackett Broncos.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's very fair. All right, we'll move on now and we'll go through this one quickly because it is a bit of a loaded question. Uh, thoughts on the AFL and NRL week one of finals? Um, I thought it was fairly interesting to go through the AFL. Um, the Swans played like in the first half and just couldn't wrestle that game back. They really had a great second half, but they left it far too late. Um, I thought the it was interesting, that Collingwood-Melbourne game. I thought Melbourne completely outplayed Collingwood. Um, nice to see the Lions just absolutely tear down uh, Port. We'll see how they go next week. And I always hate seeing the Giants win, so that sucked. Um, in terms of the NRL, uh, I don't know. Did you catch the Newcastle game? Yeah, I did. I I was at that game. It was absolutely incredible. You, It was... I've been in louder. Uh, I'm sorry. I've been in stadiums with a higher capacity. I don't know if I've been in a louder stadium. There were twenty nine, a thousand seven hundred people there, but it sounded like it was a packed out MCG. I I yes. can't explain it. That it was one of the loudest experiences ever. They were interviewing Kalen Ponga after the game, and they had to stop and just wait for the crowd to be quiet so they could hear him.
1: I mean, like Newcastle have been through some, been through the absolute ringer. Um, So I'm really, really happy for, I mean, it's a diehard fan base up there. It's one of the great rugby league breeding grounds in the Illawarra. Mm. And the, I mean, the talent up there is unbelievable. And just not being able to put it together has been such a a shame, really. But Mm. to have a team that's going on the run that they are and then to come back in a game like that. I don't think they're beating a Broncos or a Panthers, but they'll give a they'll give them a real run for it. I reckon they're not a bad team this night's team,
0: mm. um, and the I, real I test thought, next I, I week would... if they can get past the Warriors in New Zealand, the lid is off. That's a the that lid is, is off. A, it's it's I, a tough I, road I, trip,
1: but
0: is not going to be quiet if if if, if they can go to New Zealand and win. I, I think they just may as well give everyone the week off work because it is not going to be worth it.
1: Yeah, no. Well, I mean, it'd be a far cry to call Newcastle civilised at the best of times. But... Sydney <laughs> 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 comments of all time.
0: Oh, um, In terms of the other games, uh, it was interesting to see the Panthers uh, absolutely demolish the Warriors. Um, sim- ditto for the Broncos just uh, demolishing... Uh, taking the storm to town. Um the only real other close one was the the sharks going out early in the finals against the roosters. The roosters making a late charge. Do you, can the roosters make any noise? I don't
1: think so, not without um with Su Ali now out, they're gonna be up against it and what well, they'll be playing the storm. So yeah that's a that's a tough, tough fixture for them. I, In Melbourne, they can, yeah. They might be able to manage. Um, but they're up against it and they don't have the sort of level of clinical execution that they've had for the previous years. With that set, Sam Walker is playing out of his mind, so you never know what's going to happen there. And they still have yeah. the talent, even without Suali. They still have... Oh, there is John Manu out as well. I thought Manu might be... If Manu's out, there's no chance. I mean, yeah. um, if Manu plays, they're in with a bit of it because he can just uncork a 300-meter, two-try, three-try assist performance every now and then. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, it was really bizarre from Cronulla. I thought they were better than that. but
0: It's another disappointing year where they looked like they had a team to contend. They didn't get a top-four finish, which a lot of people predicted, and they are bowing out of the finals early. It's, it's a real shame. Losing in Shark Park like that as well, that's gut wrenching. Yeah,
1: and losing in that manner, where they basically just got outspirited by like a, a, a valiant Roosters team, but I really don't. I'm not convinced by them. And yeah, to to get out hustled in every facet is kind of it. it sort of and again, it, it's kind of similar to um what we were talking about with the Giants. It was just uncharacteristic of the Craig Fitzgibbon team you expect them to win those games more than they lose.
0: 100%. 100%. Alright, well, we're going to wrap up the podcast now. Uh, Josh, thank you so much uh, for coming on. We really appreciate you uh, taking the time, and it's been a great to chat sports with you. It's pretty much just the hour before training every week, so it's yeah. nice to do this in a more formal setting.
1: Yeah, all that's uh, missing is a, a boost from the uh, servo near ride and we basically would have had all of april and may but no it's been an absolute <laughs> pleasure um harrison uh, i can see why this podcast is is rated so highly you've done a tremendous job
0: oh thank you very much appreciate it if you have enjoyed the podcast make sure to reach out to us uh, make sure to follow us on all of our socials at Road Trip Sports Pod. we're on facebook instagram and tiktok uh, any inquiries you've got, if you'd like to get in touch with the podcast, if you'd like to get on yourself and defend your team in our Civil War series, make sure to reach out to us, Road Sports Podcast at gmail.com, or you can slide into any of our DMs, that's at Road Tripsports Pod. Uh, you can buy our hats, our hats are still on sale. They're running out quick, though, we don't have many left, so make sure to get in touch with the page at Road Tripsports Pod, or you can message uh, either myself or Ollie privately to organize your hat please get in quick because we don't seriously don't have many left uh this episode like all of our episodes is sponsored by major sports collectibles australia your one-stop shop for any sports memorabilia whether it's jerseys helmets whatever you want signed uh they can source it for you they've also got quite a range in stock that you can search through if you're interested uh that's it for our podcast today we hope your team wins now on the previous episode, we actually decided that we'd have a team of the podcast, and we did a little bit of, um, we did a little bit of a game where uh, it was a website. Select your team. We had to fill out a questionnaire. We ended up with one of us had the Titans, the other one had the Saints. Coincidentally, they played today, and we we called it the Road Trip Sports Podcast Bowl. Uh, whichever team would have won that would be the team of the podcast similar to like we had for Fremantle in the AFL. So the New Orleans Saints, congratulations. You are the team of the podcast. So this week, we hope your team wins, unless they are playing one of ours, New Orleans Saints, next time.